a talking and a walking from Sacramento to Milwaukee. He is Marcus the Mad Dog Haugen. Hey. Second, 2022, 7.08 p.m., just about an hour after the MLB trade deadline, where your San Diego Padres went all in. They put the chips all in, and they made a splash. The splash so big that um, I think it was bigger than Macaulay Culkin's splash at Trump Plaza in, in Home Alone 2. He certainly tried to rival it. Yeah, definitely. you know that was that was back when, when the Trump Plaza wasn't such a disgusting place to think about. It was still yeah. pretty disgusting, but a little less so. Yeah, it was like um, pre. Oh, I guess I was trying to think about where like the Macaulay Culkin splash fit in with Borat pooping on that sign. <laughs> in front of the Trump Tower, but I was like, I guess Borat thing is in the middle. Mm-hmm. In, in terms of splash sizes, or yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. splash sizes and chronology. Chronology. Oh, yeah. so was the? Did he poop before Trump was president? He definitely pooped before Trump was president. Okay. Was that in the Borat movie? Because I actually. Don't yeah. remember that. Mm. He's like standing in like that little thing right by the Trump sign pooping. <laughs> Classic. Now that's a splash. Um mm. so the splash that the San Diego Padres made. I mean the biggest yes. the biggest gem on the trade market. Once sure, we got yeah. Oh, what were you gonna we say? Got, we, we got, I was gonna say we got Brandon Drury. Brandon Drury! <laughs> Who uh, uh, I had not, to be honest, I had not heard of before today. Oh, he's very much one of these guys who, like, the Reds just hit a lottery ticket. They're like, yeah. here's this journeyman player. He just out of nowhere hits 20 home runs in half a season, and suddenly it's worth something. So we get some prospect for him. Yeah. And perfect, you cash in right away. Uh, yeah. So good for the Reds on that, uh, a team that definitely needs to restock their team. Yeah. Um. Okay, so Juan Soto... Yes. He's, he's got one more year after. Is it one more year after this? I think it's two more years. It's two more years. So, wow, that's that's amazing. I mean, like, so Washington was under no pressure to trade him, but they got a great package from San Diego. Juan Soto, obviously one of the best young hitters in the game, 23, which is amazing. Um Maybe a little bit of a down year in terms of power this year, but he still has like an OBP of 400. And, and in a down year, the slugging is still 480 something. So, yeah, he's as good of a prospect there is in the game. 
Yeah, it's true. I think, you know, there's been some bad luck involved. I think he's like normally like he's hitting 240 this year, which is pretty out of character for Mm -hmm. him. Um, But he's still like a very patient, good hitter. Um, I was sort of reading about this and the theory got posed because I guess he's been a pretty terrible defender this year that he might be pulling sort of the same thing Bryce Harper did in his last year in Washington of like, I'm about to get out of here, possibly get paid. I don't want to get hurt. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of taking it easy on a terrible baseball team, which happens. Yeah. It's, it's the Washington special. Yeah. And then, and similarly to, to Bryce Harper, that means the, the Nats will win the championship next year. Yep, they're going for it. <laughs> they're going to build a really incredible team of Ronald Luke Voigt and CJ Abrams, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Yeah, Luke Voigt was really the prize in this package. Oh, yeah. You've got to get Luke Voigt in any trade with the Padres. Yeah. It's got, I mean, what a name, Luke, you know, like Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. And then Voigt is like, you know, a V like Vader. And a void, mm-hmm. a void is a kind of darkness. It's I, I don't know. I feel like it's Luke and Vader together into one. Yeah, into he's one really man. at odds with himself. <laughs> yeah, he's his own father. Um, he is a very. I what I am going to miss most about him is like the Padres. I think of all major league teams have essentially no rules about how you wear your uniform, and he would wear his to essentially as far down as you can unbutton it. You could not read Padres on his uniform because he had so much <laughs> chest popping out. Oh yeah, that is something to miss. Uh, maybe maybe Brandon Drury can pick up that slack. Oh, we can help. We can hope. Or maybe um, no, that's pretty much it. They didn't get any. Or I mean, we'll we'll talk about some of the other players they got. But yeah, Brandon Drury is the only one who's going to be doing that for us. Or maybe Will Myers could start doing it. Yeah, I mean, he's got to add something. <laughs> he's got to do something because he's yeah. probably out of the rotation now. Uh, okay, so Soto, already multi-time All-Star, um, already a World Series champion, one of the best young hitters in the game. So the the pods, I mean, maybe they try to extend him this summer or they wait two years or he wants to wait two years. I guess it's all up to him, but many think he's going to get the biggest contract ever when it's finally time of maybe 500 million um, for 40 million a year or something. And given his age, it's probably worth it. It's true. I, you know, I guess injury is always the downside Mm. of this, but I, if I had to guess his, agent strategy is wait as long as possible wait for someone else to get like a 450 million dollar contract and then you go well look we've got Juan Soto who's better than that guy and yeah it'll be interesting to see what Aaron Judge gets this summer because he was offered um by all accounts a pretty fair deal of close to 30 million a year uh but just for seven years and because he's 30, maybe 31 now even, or it will yeah. be 31. Um, he didn't sign, and he made the right decision because he's going to probably win the AL MVP this year, and he's going to be the, the you know, fan. He's a fan favorite, basically the captain of the Yankees. You know, Yankees maybe didn't want to pay him that much because they're thinking maybe we'll get Soto, but they didn't get Soto. So, 
Um, he's going to get paid. I would imagine the Yankees still re-sign him just because of all the pressure, but who knows. But he'll get thirty plus, over $30 million a year, I think. I think so, too. I, if I had to guess, like, there's probably some – because seven years is probably, like, the rest of Aaron Judge's career. Yeah. And so there's probably some trade-off, like – because he's had so many injury problems. He is big, which those guys get hurt more. Once you put him at DH, it's less valuable. Like, right. If you were to get really creative and do like, I don't know, like what the Dodgers did with Trevor Bauer, not a good person, but an interesting contract. Like, why not if you're like the Yankees take a swing and just be like, yeah, we really don't think you're going to hold up that much longer, but $120 million for like for the next three years. Yeah. Or even go 150 for three years and just be like, that's when we think you'll be valuable. That might be the move. Um, that certainly might be the move because given his age, I don't think anybody's – maybe the Mets. I'm sure the Mets would love to sign Aaron Judge. Yeah, that's very true. And the Mets aren't afraid of old guys either. <laughs> yeah. Um, like Max Scherzer or um, – um, I guess Robinson Cano previously, but who's who's who else is an Cano. old guy on their team? I mean, Degrom is like weirdly old. He's weirdly like, he's old. old, yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess they like signed Lindor for a bajillion years, right? Um, who is having a nice year this year, but is probably like is barely meeting the contract. Yeah, yeah. like they're, that's going to be an underwater contract pretty quickly. I think. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, he wasn't even – he was very good the year before when they got him, uh, yes. the year leading up to when they got him, but it wasn't like he was the best shortstop in the game necessarily even then. No, I Also, like, you know, there is certainly, like, a thing of, like, if it weren't for the injury risk, you'd think, like, an Aaron Judge skill set could age relatively gracefully. He just mm-hmm. needs to stand there and hit the crap out of the ball, whereas, like, Lindor's value came from like a lot of sort of young man skills about being like very spry defensively and stealing bases. And those things go pretty quick, even yeah. by the time you hit your late twenties. How are Juan Soto's young man skills? You said he's not doing well defensively this year, but what do the metrics say in years prior for his defense and what's his base running like? So I know he's not a good base runner. Um, but I think a lot of that stuff to me is just a mental thing and a coaching thing that perhaps mm-hmm. still can be fixed with a very young guy. Um, but he, I think, was like a top 10 outfielder defensively last year. And so this year is more the aberration, which kind of lends more credibility to the idea that he's like, this team's horrible. I'm not diving for line drives. Yeah. Yeah, so hopefully they get a good outfielder there because he would probably be playing. Um, yeah, so let's go over what the Padres lineup's going to look like. Sure. Um, Let me pull up what would, we got. Yeah, so I would imagine the outfields, you're going to have Soto in right, um, Profar still in left. Friend of the show. Friend of the show, Jerickson Profar. Uh, yes. There you go. And I guess still Trent Grisham in center for his defense. 
Yeah, he's still a pretty good defensive player. I think as bad as his sort of offensive numbers have looked this year, I think he hasn't actually been horrible in quite some time. It's just he was so atrocious, like the first month and a half of the season that it's probably going to end up bad no matter what he does. Yeah. And then um, on off days or if Grisham's in a slump, you could always put our friend Drury in the outfield. Um, maybe even Hassan Kim um, or Tatis Jr., but I don't think I don't think they're going to do that, at least not yeah. right away. And I think, you know, Jerkson Profar isn't, you know, your ideal everyday center fielder, but he's can still move pretty well. I think he's a perfectly good, like, you know, Grisham off day, Profar in center, Drury in the corner type of guy. Yeah, I like that for sure. Um, And then I guess Will Myers could always sub in something like that. Also true, yeah. But yeah, but generally speaking, it looks like it's going to be Soto, Profar, and Grisham in the outfield. Catcher is Nola and Alcantara. Or Alfaro. Alfaro. Um, first base now, Josh Bell, who also came over in this trade with Washington. He's he's mashing this year. I don't know too much about him. What's his deal? Um, he was, I think, like a top, top prospect for the Pirates, who took quite a while to sort of catch on. Finally did, like, into his free agency season, and then... I think got traded to the Nationals and re-signed with them. Um, And he's overall, I think, a good hitter, but definitely has had some ups and downs. But it seems like this is an up year, and I think he becomes a free agent at the end of the year. Okay. So that is very interesting because he was definitely another guy rumored to be part of the Washington Nationals fire sale, and it maybe wasn't expected that they'd both go in the same trade. Yeah, but yeah, they really revamped this lineup. Oh yeah, cool. and and Hosmer goes out, who's hasn't been hitting this year. Who's yeah? Speaking of old guys, um, so we're gonna have Josh Bell at first, Cronenworth in the Crone Zone at second. Oh, have you watched the games where they talk about that? I have heard them talk about the Crone Zone. They're, it's very unclear to me what the crone zone is because <laughs> sometimes it has to do with him where he can like reach a ball that's been hit. Yeah. Other times it has to do with like where a ball is being pitched, like in terms of like that's his hot zone for hitting. But one time I was listening and they were like, yeah, I almost got hit by a foul ball. And then I would have entered the crone zone. And it's like, what is the crone zone? I'm not sure anyone actually knows. This is this nebulous dark matter. And, yeah. and you know, we all know about Crohn's disease, which is a, um, you know, a, a inflammation of the, the colon. So yes. I, I always think that the crone zone is the butthole. That's not a bad guess. So, so it's like, well, you know, they pitched it right down the butthole and he <laughs> shit it out of the park. And then that announcer is like, I almost entered the crone zone. Mm. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll have to keep watching because he's still going to play second. So, yes, we'll, we'll get more crone zone. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah go ahead. Oh, I, I don't think really. To sit, he's just like a nice complimentary piece. Like yeah. I feel like every good team sort of has these guys who like 
they always hit pretty well. They play a lot of positions. Like, just a nice, solid role player guy. Yeah. Yeah. And he's... And because most of the positions are filled, but... He, you know, he could conceivably play the outfields, but I don't think he'll ever, he will because he's so good at second. Yeah. Covering that crone zone. Hmm. On the other side of the diamond, of course, is Manny Machado, who has been, has been their best player this year. Uh, best yes. everyday player for sure. And um, I guess then Tatis, when he comes back, which should hopefully be this month. Yes. I know it's short behind schedule from where mm-hmm. we thought it would be, but yeah, I haven't heard any updates in a while since essentially like heading into, what was it like late June? And they're like, he's behind. I think I saw that he was going to take batting practice on yesterday. Oh, okay. Good. And I think he did. I didn't see how it went. But oh. they said then he, if if that goes well, he'll start a rehab assignment in the minors this weekend. Wow, that's great. Yeah, so okay. it could be even like middle of it could be two weeks or three weeks. Yeah, and that sort of I guess frees up Hassan Kim to go back to sort of utility guy. Right. Right. So they have, yeah, they have a bunch of utility guys, as we <laughs> talked about at the beginning of the season with Profar. But yeah, Hassan Kim's been not great, but solid this year. Yeah, I kind of think that my feeling is we're kind of seeing what he is this year. Like last year was pretty horrible, yeah. but there was an adjustment, and it's like, okay, this guy isn't a star like maybe the hope had been, but he's definitely a useful player who belongs on a good major league roster. Right, right. By the way, he's three for four today. Um, oh, nice. So maybe... For him, he's... Maybe this trade, like, got him, got his juices flowing. Yeah, he's fighting to keep Tatis on the bench when he comes back. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll really be interesting to see how Tatis can hit, um, given the wrist injury. But yeah, that that is a monster lineup. I mean, him, him, Soto, and Machado is just maybe the best like three man head of a lineup that there is in the, in the in the majors. Yeah, and then like I feel like you could even put Josh Bell in there and make it yeah. a four, and I'm not sure there's a better four. Right. Yeah, uh, no question. And then uh, oh, we forgot to mention Drury. Obviously, the DH went. Or Kim, there's yeah, there'll be a lot of movement around those edges. Yeah, I mean, I certainly don't mind. I don't think they gave up too much to get Drury, so like, yeah, I don't mind the trade. Those type of guys always make me nervous. The guys who just seem to be spiking a good year because it's like this guy. There's something about the situation over the first half of the year that really like worked for him, and mm-hmm. everything I've heard says that like. The underlying metrics say this is a legit performance thus far, but then you put him somewhere else. He's never been good before. Yeah, he's pressing, trying to live up to a trade. Like these, like one-year pop-off guys who get traded, they do make me nervous. I hope he does well. But yeah, well, the good risks. the good thing is he, I think he's not going to make or break the Padres this year Correct. or in the future, and. 
what did what did they end up giving up for him? I think they gave up a maybe it was the number their eleventh best prospect or maybe even higher. I can't remember now. Victor Acosta. I don't know where he ranks. Yeah. So so no no uh, none of their like jewels of the farm system and. So let's talk about the return that Washington got and what San Diego had to give up. Sure. Um, their two best uh, prospects coming into the year, I guess they're no longer prospects really, but that was Mackenzie Gore, the left-handed pitcher who at one point was the best left-handed prospect pitching prospect in baseball, yes. had a terrible year in the minors, but then pitched pretty well this year in his full rookie season. Yeah, I mean, it's – July was pretty tough for him. Okay. He got knocked around. There's a drop in velocity. I think the general feeling was that, you know, this is a guy who's had a lot of injury problems. He's been sort of on and off. It's probably a fatigue thing rather than, like, a skills thing. I think he might be hurt right now, too. Okay. Um, so definitely some questions, and his value is not what it was probably two years ago. Yeah, um, it's definitely a diminished, uh, I guess, prospect profile at this point. But especially the first couple months of the year, I think we really saw what he's capable of. He's capable of being, at the very least, like the third pitcher on a playoff caliber team. Yeah, he definitely looked that part. Um. So it's definitely, like, it's a valuable piece, especially, like, pitchers get hurt all the time. Like, it's not like the Padres gave up nothing losing him. Like, that depth matters. But as far as, like, sort of the headliners they gave up, him and C.J. Abrams, who honestly had a pretty hard time Mm -hmm. uh, facing major league pitching, it's not devastating, I guess. Yeah. Um because Abrams coming into the year, what I think was the number nine prospect in baseball, there yes. the Padres' number one prospect, has not hit well in the majors. No. Um, he's made some good defensive highlight plays. They he mashed in the minors when I was looking at his numbers, and then I think at one point he was sent down to the minors this year for maybe like a ten day stint or something, and he he raked again in triple a came back up still not really hitting i guess you gotta trust the pedigree there and that he's gonna perform eventually um so he's a big he's a big prospect but and and they gave up some other prospects right they did they gave up um the other one i'm like relatively familiar with is hassel robert Mm -hmm. hassel who's an outfielder who was a relatively high draft pick i think in 2020 and at this point, looks like he might be like sort of a corner outfield guy who's a pretty good defender, can hit for contact, but doesn't have a ton of power. Sort of like um, David Peralta in an average season, more mm-hmm. or less, um, which is a valuable player for sure. Like that guy, there's lots of those guys in the major leagues, but it's not a superstar. Yeah. Um. So, I don't know. I also, I don't have any, I 
there's no, I think, study done to back this up, but I did come across an interesting idea about triple A pitching a couple weeks ago where I forget who it was who said it, but another like podcast I listened to, someone sort of posed the idea that triple A pitching at this point might be worse than double A pitching because so many guys get jumped up from double A mm-hmm. and triple A is so double A has all these like actual top arms who are about to get to the big leagues and triple A is a lot of like quad A guys who are kind of yeah. there just to like go up to the majors, get their skull caved in and get sent back down <laughs> when everyone else needs rest. <laughs> yeah. Some, some career journeymen as you yeah. said, quad A guys. And um, so I, that is a good question. I don't know. Certainly the talent in double A is probably better than the talent in triple A in terms of yeah. future outlook. I don't know because of the experience that the guys in triple A have and they're sure. older and they're adults, maybe hitting against triple A is tougher for that reason. I don't know. Um, yeah. It, the triple A is more like the G league in the NBA where it's a lot of, it's a lot yeah. of journeymen try, got people who are really trying hard to make it that yeah. don't have I a guess, great shot in making it. I guess, uh, you know, we don't have any of the numbers to back this up, but like probably if we both agree on that stuff, then like a guy who like would have trouble with both double A and MLB pitching, it might be more of a problem with velocity or like huge breaks on the pitches versus like, oh, I'm just getting pinpointed with, like, locations I can't hit, which you would struggle with in AAA. So who's the example you're giving of? Who's I'm thinking of, like, C.J. Abrams, like, the where he might find it easier to hit in AAA than, right. say, like, BMLB. It might have to do with, like, you know, these journeyman guys. They're normally guys who don't have, like, huge breaking pitches or, like, super high velocity, and they get by by sort of locating in the right places. And let's say CJ Abrams is a great plate coverage guy, but he gets fooled by big breaking balls or can't catch up with velocity. Then you'd see a thing where he's just crushing triple a, but can't really Mm. do it in the MLB. What was, uh, what was his um, hitting like when he was in double a? Pull it up. Well, as you do that, um, yeah. Okay, so he's only ever spent forty-two games in Double A. Okay, so not much track. Yeah, um, but honestly, about the same as Triple A. So maybe that's not. Oh, I guess his K percentage was actually higher in Double A than it was Triple A. Right. And his power was way, way lower. Like mm-hmm. he spiked that big power stuff in Triple A. Okay, interesting. So maybe not a great sign for C.J. Abrams. Yeah, but although I mean, certainly time to change I guess, that. I guess every level he's been at is there's a small sample issue. Like 2021, 42 games at Double A is his biggest sample. Um, and there he didn't hit for power, but he didn't really hit for power in Single A either. And then this year, MLB's been zero power, but at triple A, he just looks like slightly below average power wise, but certainly a guy who can 
Hit a few dongs. <laughs> yeah, he's good for a few dongs. Yeah, he'll hit a dong or two. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's weird. Like, I th- I think be- is it first of all is it still the case that in baseball you can't trade draft picks? I think you can. You can now. Yes. Okay, but they didn't in this deal, right? I don't think so, yeah. no. I, th- um, I think it was a deal a couple days ago where a draft pick went. Some draft but I think the rules still might be kind of complicated. Okay. Yeah, so it, it seems like if you're getting a star player um, and you could, you could afford to pay him, the deal is worth it for the team getting the star. It seems like yeah. because I, I I don't think Mackenzie Gore and C.J. Abrams and David Hasselhoff are um, equal to Soto. Even I mean, unless a you know Abrams and Gore have to really hit um, like they could have at their ceiling. But otherwise, I think getting Soto it's it's just hard to match up to that star level. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, once they decided they were going to trade Soto, especially when he still like has two years left of arbitration, it was really going to be hard for them to get equal value. But mm-hmm. to get two guys who, like, in some ways, they're even less valuable than lottery picks because they've sort of gone to the MLB and shown that they're not superstars. Yeah, or at least guess, not yet. Yeah, they're... Um, I, it's hard for me to believe that Gore's ceiling is that high at this point. I guess Abrams still really could be something, but it seems like he's probably um, closer to like a good defense. Like maybe his ceiling is like good defense and on offense, 10 homers and 30 steals, like that type of guy versus, you know, what I think the dream had been, which was more of like a 25 25 guy. Mm-hmm. Like, it just doesn't seem like he has that kind of pop. Yeah. Um, and I, neither of those guys, even if you do get, you know, all their team control, is going to measure up to two and a half years of Juan Soto. No. And that's what's so weird about it, that 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 they did it with two and a half years to go. And there are pretty big markets. And he was still... He was going to make a, He's going to make a lot next year, but it's still an arbitration year, so it's not crazy breaking the bank. Yeah, because I feel like the value of doing it now is like, well, if we do it now when we have all these years, we can really get something. Yeah, And sort of when your best piece debatably is C.J. Abrams, who doesn't look like the next superstar, that's tough. Yeah, for Soto, you want a... uh, I mean, I guess you would say the number nine prospect in all of baseball is that, a superstar, but he's having disappointed so in his time in the majors, he's, he's no longer that you want a, like a sure thing, blue chipper. Yeah. I mean, I guess they may have felt a little bit sort of trapped in that, you know, like a lot of the sure thing blue chippers are with teams like the tigers and the Orioles who aren't mm. willing to give up the assets. And so then it's like, okay, who's the best good team that wants this guy and what's their best prospect? Like, 
Yeah. And so that's probably where you land on CJ Abrams. And I guess but, the, the Yankees weren't willing to give up. They have a top flight shortstop project, yeah. uh, prospect who I guess they weren't willing to give up. So, um, so there's no doubt that the Padres emptied their cupboard. Um, yes. Uh, it's mean, been it, really interesting. Like, I feel like even like three years ago, they had one of the best minor league systems in the league and they've, really gone through them very fast. I mean, we haven't even talked about getting Josh Hader, right. which was another one. So right. They're all in now. There's no big reinforcements coming up from the minors anymore. Yeah, I think the only prospect I think that I think is still there that I know of is Luis Camposano. Yes. Okay, catching prospect. So, yeah, other than that, there's no big names, which is which I'm I'm fine with because you you, you one of the reasons you you either create that farm system to have prospects keep coming and you could always replenish with good drafting um, or you use it to go all in like they have. And it seems like they're a team with some great players, all-star level players all in their prime for a few years. Yes. And at least, you know, they've had problems with it before, but at least as long as their pitching staff stays healthy, I think they're one of the like most solid top to bottom offense and defense teams mm-hmm. in the league. Like I think talent wise, they're right up there with the Dodgers and the Yankees. Yeah, I absolutely. I mean, they were <clears throat> already pretty solidly in the wild card mix. Yeah, and they probably still they're too far back from LA, but they're they're a contender for sure. Yeah, you know, it's been interesting. The A.J. Preller era, I was thinking about it after the Soto trade because I remember that first year he came in and essentially tried to do what he's done now but sort of half did it with, like, Justin Upton and Craig Kimbrell and it was guys Mm -hmm. who were, like, good but not going to elevate you to a contender on their own. And the team was understandably bad and it was disappointing. And that started the fire sale and sort of prospect halls that led us to here. But I've always appreciated that, like, when he can, he's going to go all in uh, their GM. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And um, that is, and and looks like the, whoever the owner is, is willing to spend the money too. Yeah, yeah. I think they were the second highest payroll in the league last year. Yeah, and adding, you know, Soto's going to be is going to become very expensive, and then Josh Hader. That kind of let's talk about that quickly because that kind of came out of nowhere, or I didn't know that that was happening. Hadn't heard anything about that. Um, And their bullpen has probably been the weakest part of the team. Yeah, the. Taylor Rogers saga has been very hard mm. to watch because I think for the first like month and a half of the season, it's like, holy shit, we've got a superstar. Like I think his ERA was below one and he's leading the league in saves and just absolutely crushing it. And Bob Melvin, the GM uh, is one of these guys who like really seems to lock in on a closer. And even when it was like very clear that, he was just like getting obliterated every game. I think before we traded him away, you gave up like runs in four games in a row or something. Like it just, yeah. and it's not the first run he's had like that in the past month or so. And 
it just completely fell apart to the point where it's like, okay, like we have lots of sort of mid tier guys and one guy who maybe isn't even that and just is completely falling apart. Like you yeah. need a top flight reliever. And they definitely got that and the guy has probably been he's been one of the best closers in baseball over the past three seasons. Yeah. And I was reading his his numbers are a little off this year, but it's mostly due to like two bad appearances and his stuff supposedly the metrics on his stuff is still it's showing that it's all yeah what it's been um i am interested too uh i honestly think that like something that's changed in the bullpen recently is that like nick martinez has essentially become a reliever mm-hmm. and he was a starter earlier and i think he's doing a really good job out of the pen where he'd been a pretty mediocre starter yeah he's probably their set now there's like he's got to be their second best reliever right yeah him or maybe Luis Garcia. Okay. And um, this is Drew Pomerantz out for the year. I think so. I haven't yeah. heard about anything about him in a yeah. long time. But I think he's still on the on the team. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, their their bullpen is still a little weak, but it's it's nice to have one ace in the in the pen. True. And their starting their starting rotation is really good. Um, with you've got Musgrove's probably been their best starter. Yeah. Um, who just signed because they're willing to spend the money. He just signed for a hundred mil over five years. Yeah. And I, it, it's, he's got a little bit of a track record now between this year and last year. So. Yeah. They really seem to have figured something out with him. I feel like he was one of those guys who like when he was with the pirates, it was, always sort of the chatter of like this guy probably has another level that the pirates are just not unlocking. And it seems like San Diego saw something in those numbers that yeah. is really helping him. Yeah. So nice that they've been able to unlock that. And then you've got vets in Darvish and Snell. Clevenger has actually been pretty good. Yeah. I mean, he's been able to sort of feast on three crappy teams in a row, which has helped bring his numbers back down, but everyone gets those runs. And if it helps build up some confidence, I think that's great. Uh, I think he's got the Rockies or did he just pitch against he, the Rockies? I think he pitched today. No, Dar- oh, Darvish started today. Yeah, you're right. I think, um, yeah, Clevenger I think he went yesterday okay. and did well against the Rockies. Yeah. Um, feast, <laughs> feast on the Rockies. So. Uh, top of the ninth, um, two outs. Top of the ninth, uh, Padres are up thirteen to five. So, nice. They should have this one wrapped up pretty soon, if if Michael Baez can close it out. So, and then Sean Manea, who started off really well, but yes. his numbers aren't have, have regressed a bit. I, yeah. uh, I if everybody stays healthy, I guess he'd be the guy to go to the pen in the playoffs. I don't hate it either because I think he's had some velocity drop off, and I think putting him in the pen, letting him just fire as hard as he can for an inning or two out of there, could be like a very useful playoff piece. Yeah, for sure. A little interesting, uh, Danielson Lamette. It seems like they had figured something out with him a year or two ago, um, but I guess it just never panned out. Yeah, I, I mean, 
between the injuries and just his location problems, like he just sort of spiked that one really amazing year where he got enough strike calls or like just mm-hmm. lucked into getting it over the plate, which I guess some guys do. I mean, it's less variance, I guess, but like, it's not like Robbie Ray, especially when he was with the Diamondbacks, he spiked that one year where it's like, wow, this guy never knows where the ball is going. But this one year, he just happened to throw enough strikes to be very good. Mm-hmm. Like, I think sort of that happened. And then you had injury problems on top of that. Yeah, well, happy trails, Lamette. Yeah. Um, hardly knew ye. Although he, uh, it was funny that year, the the pandemic year of where the playoffs there were eight teams in each league, and the, the Padres basically had no starters except him. Oh yeah, that was tough, that was especially tough. like if that's the return to the playoffs, and they're just yeah. kind of putting out this weird mishmash pitching <laughs> staff. But it should be a fun team to watch, and especially once Tatis comes back, they're going to be. I mean, I'm sure it'll take some time for Tatis to get to ramp up a bit, but it's it'll be one of the most exciting teams in baseball. Yeah, really excited to watch. I'm also like, I was thinking through just like the money stuff today, and like, I'm almost curious if there's some sort of plan if they can sign Soto to trade Machado because mm. Machado makes thirty million a year. I think Tatis makes like thirty seven. Musgrove makes twenty. Can you add? Soto for forty five million on top of that, like how much are you going to pay for just like five guys? Yeah, well, how many? I guess Machado will be getting close ish to the end of his deal by the when Soto is ready for free agency. Um, what are we? We're in year three or four. Oh, is it only year three or four? Yeah, like it's uh, still pretty new. Okay, and it's a ten year deal. So, like, I feel like if you could ship him off, you do it now where some team can still believe they'll get yeah, value there. Maybe this offseason. Um, or just... I don't Run know. up that bill. Yeah. Run up that bill and win some World Series. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. I mean, I'd love... Uh, he's been a great addition to the organization. Like, I'd yeah. love for him to stay around and keep Soto, too, if the owner's willing to pay it. But, you know, at that point for just you're either doing like superstars and scrubs or you're running by far the most expensive team in the league. Yeah, which is, is weird because it's not a huge it's not a huge market. Right. Who is who's their owner or what like company does their owner own? Oh, the name is escaping me right now. Um, let me see. This is something we can solve very quickly, though. Yeah. You'll get uh, Peter Seidler. Uh-huh. Um, oh, wait, no. He... Okay, okay. Peter Seidler and Ron Fowler lead the group that bought it. Mm-hmm. Peter Seidler is an American businessman. He is chairman of the Padres, the grandson of Walter O'Malley and nephew (laughs) Peter O'Malley. 
earned his bachelor's degree at UVA. Um, what does he own? Oh, Form the O'Malley Group. Seidler Equity Partners. So some private equity guy, some hedge fund guy. Oh, well, that's or, not exciting. But no, it would have been cool if like Petco owned them. That would have been really cool. Yeah. What's the, what's the name of the stadium now? I think it's still Petco because they still do sort of like pet-based promotions. I don't know. I was under the impression that they changed that. No, you're right. It's still Petco Park. My bad. But soon to be renamed the Crone Zone. The whole stadium will be the Crone Zone. Just to <laughs> get rid of all this ambiguity. <laughs> so that all the fans enter the Crone Zone. Um. What do you what do you think of Keegan Murray since his MVP in summer league? I mean, it's exciting. It it's the most you could have hoped for from yeah. a guy who like his biggest asset was coming in NBA ready that he comes in and sort of punks these raw players and these guys who aren't going to be in the league. So it's encouraging. It doesn't do much to sort of get rid of my concerns about his ceiling, but mm. you know, it's hard to complain about him doing well. Yeah. Yeah. And they should, they should at least be a fun team this year. Um, not good enough to, to really make some noise and not necessarily a path towards becoming a great team, but him Fox and Sabonis with uh, Mitchell as like the defensive guard. That's, that's a, that's a fun lineup. Yeah, I think they are like a legitimate play-in contender. Yeah, yeah. And so it'll be at least like fun to follow them for the whole season versus some of these years where they're out of it with like 20 <laughs> games to go. And it's like, oh, okay, great, this is done. Yeah. All right, anything to plug before we get out of here? Um, as always, the Armory Comedy. Uh, we're doing improv sketch program will be launching again in September and you can find more out more about that on the armorycomedy.com. You certainly can. And you could find out more about, um, sports and entertainment at Larry, the athlete.com or at Larry, the athlete on all social media, or you could subscribe to Larry, no sports, wherever you get your podcasts. I think that's what you gotta do. Wow. May all your dreams be hoop dreams, and may the rest of your days be days of thunder. Thunder.